48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories. The government denies students at a school for the disabled are being forced to make way for a civil service college. The Housing Society gives more details of its subsidised flat swap scheme. And Saudi Arabia finally admits that journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed in its embassy. The Welfare Secretary, Lo Chi Kwong, has defended the government's decision to move a training school for disabled students to make way for a civil service college. He denied the students were being forced to move, saying the school building was 50 years old and needed to be redeveloped anyway. The plan had, has been criticised by concern groups and lawmakers as the Shine Skills Centre in Kuantong will move to an alternative facility in 2021. But Mr Law said current students won't be affected, adding the future centre situated elsewhere in Kowloon might even be better. The location will be convenient, probably more convenient to most potential uh, students. The only cohorts of trainees that may be affected will be those uh, entering training in 2020. But then we hope that the new service provider will be in place by 2020. So they would be able to communicate with the potential students and the parents when they're considering what kind of service that their children should enter after their graduation from the special school. The chairman of the Housing Society, Walter Chan, says a pilot scheme allowing elderly owners to sell their subsidised flats and buy a smaller one can help them save money for rainy days. People over 60 who have owned their flat for more than 10 years but who have not paid off the premium can sell them and buy a smaller one. Currently, families are only allowed to make one purchase of a subsidised flat. Mr Chan said the scheme can be rolled out by the middle of next year. 1,500 flats will be eligible, but Mr Chan says they are still considering the details of the scheme. There's no target figure that we would like to achieve. We would like just to provide an alternative to elderly owners to uh, have a choice whether to downsize their flats. The ultimate aim is just to make sure that the public housing resources can be used more effectively. After two weeks of denials, Saudi Arabia has admitted that the missing journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. State media said a fight broke out between Mr Khashoggi and the people he met at the consulate, but they did not say what happened to his body. The BBC's John Donison reports. After more than two weeks of denials, Saudi Arabia has changed its story amid mounting diplomatic pressure. State television reported that Mr Khashoggi died after a fight broke out when he arrived at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul on October the 2nd. It said 18 Saudi nationals had been arrested. State television also reported that the Deputy Chief of Intelligence Ahmed Asiri had been sacked along with Saud al-Qatani, a senior advisor to the royal court. President Donald Trump has praised the Saudi authorities, describing the announcement on Mr Khashoggi's death as a good first step. He said Riyadh had acted quicker than many had expected, but he said he would be careful about imposing sanctions. I would prefer, uh, if there is going to be some form of sanction or what we may determine to do, if anything, but I would prefer that we don't use as retribution uh, cancelling $110 billion worth of work which means 600,000 jobs. I know it sounds easy and it sounds good, and a lot of people have said, oh, let's just, let's just not sell them $110 billion. Or I guess you take it a step further, let's not sell them $450 billion, which is the largest order in the history of our country. 
Hundreds of Central American migrants traveling in a mass caravan to the U.S. have tried to breach Mexico's southern border and enter the country. The migrants broke through Guatemalan border fences but were halted by the police as they streamed onto a bridge leading to Mexico. Authorities say only those with valid documents will be allowed in. President Trump has thanked Mexico for stopping the migrants far from the U.S. border. On Thursday, he called the caravan an assault on the United States. Twenty men who formed a gang that raped and sexually abused girls as young as 11 in the northern English town of Huddersfield have been given various prison terms. The men, who are all British Asians of mainly Pakistani heritage, were convicted of more than 120 offences against 15 girls. The BBC's Danny Savage reports. The ringleader, Amir Singh Dhaliwal, was jailed for life and told he must serve a minimum of 18 years. He was found guilty of 54 offences, including 22 rapes involving 11 girls. The judge said his treatment of them was inhuman. Other abusers had nicknames such as Bully and Dracula. Victims and their families say they repeatedly told police and the authorities what was happening, but no action was taken. One mother said she even wrote to the Prime Minister... You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. At least 60 people have died and more than 200 have been injured in northern India as a commuter train ploughed into them near the city of Amritsar. Hundreds of people have been watching the ritual burning of an effigy of a Hindu mythological figure. Witnesses said people did not hear the fast-moving train due to the noise of exploding firecrackers. Sport and in tonight's big Premier League clash, Manchester United are away to Chelsea. Jose Mourinho's side are seven points adrift of Chelsea, who are level on 20 points at the top of the Premier League with City and Liverpool. Mourinho has lost on his three previous visits to the club, uh, where here he had such brilliant success. But Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri isn't underestimating him. He can win everything, also the Ballon d'Or, here, without playing in Spain. Because, for example, if uh, <coughs> Chelsea uh, will be able to win the Champions League and the Belgium national team will be able to win the Europa Cup, he will be able to win everything. Meanwhile, Jose Mourinho says he'll be on his best behaviour at Stamford Bridge. Would I celebrate like crazy my team goal at Stamford Bridge or my team victory at Stamford Bridge, I don't think so. I think I would try always to control myself and um, to respect the stadium and to respect uh, the supporters that were uh, my supporters and my stadium for many, for many years. And with a look at the rest of this weekend's games, here's the BBC's Maz Farouki. Goalkeeper Joe Hart will return to the Etihad for the first time as part of the opposition when his Burnley team travelled to play the champions Manchester City. Whilst Liverpool will also be confident of avoiding their first league defeat when they play at Huddersfield in Saturday's late game. Jurgen Klopp does have some injury concerns in his side though following the international break. Elsewhere, Bournemouth plays fellow South Coast side Southampton and Cardiff will hope for their first win when they host Fulham. That aim will be shared by Newcastle in their game against Brighton with West Ham against Tottenham and Wolves-Watford, the other matches to be played on Saturday.
There's only one match on Sunday. Crystal Palace will hope to end their run of three games without a win when they travel to play Everton. And Unai Emery's Arsenal will want to maintain their good form when they host Leicester City on Monday night. Arsenal haven't lost in the league since August. From BBC Global Sport, this is Maz Faruqi. To the NBA, where LeBron James began his Los Angeles Lakers era with two dunks, but the 14-time All-Star couldn't reverse a string of losing starts with new teams. James scored a game-high 26 points and had 12 rebounds, but the Portland Trailblazers spoiled his Lakers debut with a 128-119 victory at the Moda Centre Arena. Damian Lillard had 28 points and Nick Stauskas scored 24 points off the bench for Portland, which won its NBA record 18th straight home opener. Tennis and final set tie breaks will be introduced at Wimbledon for the first time next year. The decision comes after this year's semi-final between Kevin Anderson and John Isner lasted six and a half hours. Here's Wimbledon's chief executive Richard Lewis. If it gets to 12 all, then uh, we, we feel that uh, in the best interests of the players in the matches and, in, and indeed subsequent rounds that it's best to draw it to a close with a tie break. There were mixed views. It's fair to say there were mixed views, but but predominantly players favoured the final set tiebreak. They re- they recognise that the quality of tennis goes down. Players start playing really not to lose, rather than you know the excitement of or the or the determination to win, and and also they recognise that it affects the quality of the matches on subsequent rounds. So on balance, the players are supportive of a of a final set tiebreak, but it's not a decision that's been taken lightly. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The government denies students at a school for the disabled are being forced to make way for a civil service college. The Housing Society says 1,500 homes will be eligible for its subsidised flat swap scheme. And Saudi Arabia finally admits the journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed in its embassy. And that's the news from RTHK. Welcome to this week's edition of Will Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, in the chair till 3 p.m. This week we have one very special musical theme on offer. We showcase some of the songs serenading and paying tribute to one of Africa's little-known heroes, Captain Thomas Sankara, president of Burkina Faso in the 80s till he was ousted and murdered in 1987. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And in this show, we play some of the songs that have come out through the decades, serenading and paying tribute to Africa's little-known popular hero, Captain Thomas Sankara, president of Burkina Faso for four years in the 80s, until he was ousted and murdered on the 15th of October in 1987. That's 31 years ago this Monday. He seized power himself in a coup d'etat in 1983. He was just 33 years old, and his goal then was eliminating corruption and the dominance of the former French colonial power, and he had some of the most ambitious programs for social and economic changes ever in the whole of the continent of Africa. 
He changed the name of the country from Haute Volta, French for Upper Volta, to Burkina Faso, which translates as the land of the upright man. Uh, definitely anti-imperialistic. He uh, was eschewing all foreign aid, uh, pushing for the odious debt reduction, uh, nationalizing land and mineral wealth, and the list goes on.